0: Alberry.
1: Shifty Pivots could be a rap album by Patrick Kane. And Tim
0: Parrish. Speed merchants. These are supposedly fast guys, but speed merchants would be people selling speed. So these are drug dealer cards because they're speed merchants. They're selling speed. Speed is bad. Drugs are illegal. Stay in school. Don't do drugs.
1: This is the Puck Junk Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Puck Junk podcast. I'm Sal Barry. Along with me is Tim Parrish, aka the Real DFG on Twitter. And today we're going to talk about some hockey cards. We're going to talk about uh, some new releases, some eBay items, a uh, vintage set. Uh, we're also going to talk about PK Suban's new YouTube channel. So those are our topics for today. So Tim, how are you this uh, this fine uh, day, afternoon, evening, whenever?
0: I'm fantastic. How are you?
1: I'm okay. You know, I just watched uh, uh, Kirby Doc make his NHL debut, and uh, he won the face-off, the first, his first face-off, and that, that's about it. And that's okay. You know what? He didn't get a penalty. I don't think he was a minus. Maybe he was. I don't know. The Hawks played against the Capitals. They didn't do too great. Um, yeah, so I, a little... I,
0: took a, I took a look at that after the game I did. He was a minus one.
1: Oh, okay. He was the minus one. But he yeah. did win a face off. He won his first face off. He got he to did. the starting lineup and uh he, he had he won a block shot too. Oh, wow, nice. Yeah, Is he on he your a... fantasy team this year?
0: No, 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 no. I was just yeah. checking because I know, you know, when these rookies pop up and they get their debuts, you know what's coming next. The young gun card. So the
1: young gun card, the game yeah. dated moment card, the top Now yeah. sticker, the uh all all of the above. So That'll be his first. His first what?
0: That'll be his first, like, real card, because he's got, like, 32, and they're all minor league cards.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Junior, he did actually play for the Rockford Ice Hogs on a conditioning stint, but he's not going to get a card in—they usually put in their team set around the end of the year, and uh, he's— probably not going to be back with them by then so he won't get a an ice hogs card but uh yeah so we're going to talk about some new releases um you know my new pet project that I, i like to talk about each week is the tops now stickers so last week i talked about how the tops now hockey sticker pack for week one was um it was a uh what was it there was, it was a print run of like 1483, I think was like the specific number of how many uh, they, um, here, I got it right here. It was 1,483 packs is uh, how, what the print run was. Now for week two, it's disappeared off their website. So I can't see it, I can't find it in the archives, but um, I'm gonna guess that it's probably the same number or maybe it's a little less because what's happening now with uh tops now stickers week three is that they're adding a chase sticker element to it. So let me give you the heads up on that. Um, so, so far they've confirmed as of this recording, Sonny Milano, Evander Kane, Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby are the four stickers in the week three tops. Now hockey sticker pack stickers five through nine are TPA TBA to be announced. However, one in every three packs is going to contain a Chase sticker of Capo Caco, and it's going to be designed like a 1990-91 Bowman Hockey, because if there's one thing we can't get enough of, it's 1990-91 Bowman Hockey.
0: I can't get enough of it. I you don't know, know about the rest of you.
1: Bowman Hockey, you can go, you know those those repack boxes that'll say like, Three hundred hockey cards for nine ninety nine or whatever. The Fairfield I, I saw, boxes, yeah. The Fairfield boxes, yeah. I saw a repack box that said contains four unopened packs plus the entire ninety ninety one Bowman hockey set. Like it literally was just the whole Bowman hockey set plus four new packs. Wow. Yeah. Is it
0: factory it, sealed?
1: No, um, it was probably just hand collated, which is like a lot of work for not, I mean, there's no chase cards in that set. There's no, there's gum.
0: Yeah. the hat trick heroes. Yeah. Or hat trick, whatever they were called.
1: Hat tricks. And then, and then the Brian Leach error card, which you may or may not find. And, um, that, that, you know, that was corrected. I, I think it was maybe more of a printing mistake, but uh, I, I, okay, so, all right, well, that was cool. I mean, I saw that and I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. I mean, I was, a couple of weeks ago, I was like, I wonder if Tops is going to use their vintage designs on these stickers, and sure enough, they are, but it's to hook suckers like me to buy three packs, even though I only really need one pack. But now I'm thinking, if I buy three packs, maybe I'll get this... Uh, this uh, Chase sticker of uh, Caco in a 1991 Bowman design. And of course, you know, the 15-year-old inside of me is like, yeah, that sounds awesome, right? Go ahead and spend $23 on hockey stickers that you, I mean, you only really need to spend seven-ish. And
0: maybe, and maybe you'll actually get the Caco instead of the website crashing when you try to.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think the, the, <laughs> the demand was the same for the, for the top stickers. But, you know, a couple other things I just want to talk about here. So uh, I didn't notice this before. They actually listed the size of the stickers. They are 2.075, well, whatever, 2.075 um, by 2.875. So we'll just say, like, 2 and... Not even two and a quarter, 2.08. I don't know what that would be. By 2.8. So, like, 2.9, 2.1 by 2.9. So, like, say, two inches by three inches, basically. So, they're, they're sticker size, but not even two by three. It'd be badass if they were like full two and a half by three and a half. And you're like, yeah, we know they're card sized but they're still stickers.
0: Make it easier to, if you didn't want to put them or seal them in your um booklet
1: in the album yeah
0: or the album you could put them in a top loader or something like that
1: so here's the thing starting week three they're going to do special sticker inserts like i said they're doing the the caco in 1991 bowman hockey design now they're also saying buy every pack from week one through the 2020 all-star game and receive a commemorative all-star game sticker set and then it says here buy every pack from week 18 through the 2020 stanley cup final and receive a commemorative Stanley Cup final sticker set. So this is kind of similar with like what Upper Deck is doing with Game Dated Moments, where they're trying to get you to buy all of them, and then you'll get like a special chase card if you buy every one of them.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah, and uh, by the way, uh, they were also... Uh, Top sent me an email today, they're like... We're sorry, there's been some delay in getting your week one shipment out. So here's a coupon for 10% off. And so if you want to save 10% off your next order of Tops Now stickers, use the coupon NHL Tops Now 10 and save 10%. That's NHL, Tops with a capital T, and then now all capitalized, 10. Um, so yay, I guess. I guess if I'm going to buy three packs... <laughs> I'll save two dollars instead of you know seventy cents, um, and and then the Upper Deck also announced their week two of Game Dated Moments. Uh, Carter Hart's first NHL shutout, Quinn Hughes first NHL go, goal, and uh, Capo Caco's first uh, NHL goal as well are the next three cards for Game Dated Moments. Three ninety nine each. Uh, each card is three ninety nine, but then you also must buy one e-pack any e-pack to unlock the ability to buy these cards and uh, i know you're not a big collector of um of uh game dated moments
0: um since we talked about that the last time i actually f- i forgot i got a uh my a com- big com c order that i cashed out on mm-hmm. came and i had some game dated moments of penguins in there I didn't realize I had, but so now I do own some game dated moments cards.
1: Well, and did you pay like four or five bucks each for them?
0: No, I paid like 25 and 30 cents for them.
1: So somebody paid $4 for them, but then sold them for 30 cents.
0: Yeah. And this is a, this could be a whole nother uh, topic, but um, I think any, anything that's gone on EPAC um, that, has the ability to cash out on to where you can add it to your comp C account. Yeah. That whole entire market is just. For lack of a better word, dead. I mean, yeah. it, it kills the value on cards. It really well, does.
1: But you have to, you have to pay $4 for the card.
0: That may very well be, but if you search comp C for the game dated moments that you can move over into your account, you will find tons of them. That are less than 2 bucks.
1: So maybe people just traded them. And maybe they were just throw-ins. You know like. It's okay possible. I'll trade you this game dated moment. For this other card that I really want. And then you're just like eh, whatever. 50 cents a dollar. You know just to get rid of it. Um, yeah and I think that's okay. I mean it could be you know. You could pick and choose. Um, and it also coming out on um, October 23rd. Is the 2018-19 Upper Deck the Cup set. Um, right now, the pre-sell for a box is five, around $500, $530. Um, one pack per tin, or box, I guess the box is a tin. Six cards per pack. So you're looking at a little under 100 bucks a card. One autographed patch rookie card per box. One additional autographed patch card per box. So um, I have never bought a box of the cup. But um, I did actually I do own a cu- couple of Cup rookies. Uh, the one I've been putting out on Twitter and, and Instagram lately is the one I picked up of Jeremy Colleton because he was in the 0506 the Cup set. Um, obviously, there were a couple more important, or I don't say important, a couple more collectible rookies in the 0506 the Cup set. But Colleton was also in that set, which is kind of funny if you think about it, because uh, that's still pretty recent i mean that's within the last 15 years or so and uh less than 15 years and uh it it's uh i didn't i didn't pay a lot for it um but it's just kind of funny but you've bought the cup in the past
0: um i i did once Um... so i mean
1: were your hits like uh mark Parrish and kevin fiala because those are (laughs) the guys that i get
0: um it was sergey Samsonov, and no i'm just kidding um (laughs) it it was and i didn't buy just one box i bought a case which is technically a box but it's called a case i don't know yeah so the so you have the you have the case and you have the inners and the inners are boxes but they're actually packs so i don't know it messes with your head but anyway so I bought one case. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember what year it was. I don't know if it was ten or eleven. I don't know. I guess that's insignificant, but I had a there was like a four four piece uh, Lundquist, mm-hmm. uh Jersey not signed it, it was four white white pieces, um, which was kind of upsetting. I did get a gold uh Four piece, like four jersey pieces, autograph of Luke Robitaille, which was a pretty nice. cool card. Um, got some uh rookie, you know, auto jersey swatch pieces of players I can't remember off the top of my head. A bunch of them I sold. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I got a dual auto Eric Stahl and uh, Jerome Ginla, which I sold. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't remember. I can't, I can't remember everything that was in there. The vast majority of it though, once I got it, I threw it up online and got Mm -hmm. it because there was only very few pieces that I actually wanted to keep that fit anything in my collection. So I, everything else I got rid of. And I will say I did not get my money back out of it. I will tell you that.
1: No, but it was the joy the, the thrill of getting to open Oh, it was uh, crazy.
0: I mean I, mean, I was, was nervous anything... the whole time. I was like freaking out the entire time. Um my hands were sweaty. You know, it <laughs> was like the whole thing of when you drop that kind of money on something,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's frightening. It is frightening.
1: Did uh, did you get anything that you decided to keep because it was just so cool when you bought that case of the cup?
0: Um, I kept the Robitaille. I know that. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember what else I ended up hanging on to out of that. I do have the Lundquist still, only because it never sold and I never put it back up again.
1: Because somebody didn't want a card with four white swatches?
0: yeah. I mean here's the thing. You got one of those inner packs and I'm not sure what'd you say the pre sell was?
1: Five thirty on DA card world at the moment.
0: Five thirty for a pack.
1: Yeah, pack ten, whatever you want to call it. Okay. So for six five, cards. Five thirty yeah. for six cards.
0: Yeah, so essentially I mean if you want to break even on that, you're really looking at a hundred bucks a card, roughly. 85 mm-hmm. 90 bucks a card whatever whatever that works out to but you're pushing a hundred dollars a card there's no way you're going to get that unless you get some something crazy that you know as a hot player in a hot market that's popular and or it's some kind of rare very low serial number because the base cards you know once the set's out for a while yeah I mean, yes, the cup has base cards, which I still don't understand, but the base cards are numbered, but they're not, by today's standards, they're not low numbered. Mm -hmm. So, you know, those don't, those don't really sell for a lot and you're going to get a base card, at least one, I think in a pack. Yeah. So that's not a hundred dollars. Yeah. That's not a hundred dollar card. So you've wiped that out. So now you got to add $25 to each of the other cards. So right. now you're up to selling them for 125. You know, from a collector's standpoint, I don't know. That's not a set that I think a normal collector mm-hmm. goes after. That's kind of the that's become like the the case breaker, group breaker set that everybody's going after. And you know, back when I first did it, there weren't those. They did those didn't exist. And so, you know, a lot of that. Didn't flood the market as quickly as it does nowadays.
1: So. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's good and bad. I mean. I like the cup. Talking.
0: The cup's got good stuff, especially the last couple of years, those monumental patches that they have in there, mm-hmm. those booklet cards, mm-hmm. those are really nice where they take a full patch and they basically break it in half so that mm-hmm. the, the booklet opens up and folds out. Those are really cool. I like the way yeah. those look.
1: Upper Deck has been sharing a lot of those on social media. I tend to notice their stuff more on Facebook. So if you haven't already done so, give Upper Deck a follow on Facebook because they've been posting a lot of stuff on the cup. You know, they can post more than four images in a Facebook post versus like, say, a tweet. So you can actually see a lot more new cards at one time. And yeah, they've been posting a lot of those booklet cards and they're very nice.
0: Yeah, they're pretty cool. And I think... I don't know if it was this year that I saw they have those um, like autograph ticket booklets where it's got part of a ticket on one side. And then the other side has got the players sign and usually will write something like a little like their Twitter handle or Mm -hmm. a stat or something like that on the the side. Those are kind of cool, too. But, you know, I'm not. It's a little too rich for my blood.
1: So you were talking about selling these cards off on, on eBay. And so uh, that which kind of is a nice segue to our next topic, which is uh, you, uh, you, you dug around and find, found another five interesting eBay auctions for hockey cards for, from the past week.
0: I did. Um, and there were some, uh, some interesting sales that went down this week. Okay. Um, how do you want me to go? You want me top down or or bottom down? I can start with number five, I guess. How about that? Yeah, we'll that work sounds... our way to number one.
1: Yeah, so like the David Letterman thing.
0: Yeah. So, so if we're looking at the top five, the the fifth highest um, hockey related sale that I found was an ungraded complete set of fifty one fifty two Parkhursts. Wow. Somebody actually had a full set, cards number 1 through 105. Um, I mean, it was it was ungraded. I looked through it. Quality isn't that bad on them from mm-hmm. the pictures that I saw, considering this is a pretty condition-sensitive set. And if you look at a lot of the cards that are graded, a lot of them have lower grades. But, again, we're talking early 50s set and back in the time where cards weren't collected. So, But this sold um, in best-offer format. Uh, it was listed originally for uh, $9,999. $9,999. Nine, nine, nine. Yes, and $0.99. Cents. Nine, nine. Uh, and it sold for $9,500. So a 105-card set from 1951 sold for $9,500. Wow. If you can believe that
1: yeah I can i mean you got gordy howe you got Morris Shard you got a lot of a lot of hall of famers in there who have their uh their rookie card ted Lindsay, um you know some other guys who had played who had you know i had were probably winding down their careers by fifty one fifty two and that was like their first card so uh it's it's a yeah it's 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 a significant set I only have maybe about twenty or so cards from that set twenty or thirty that I found that were like in rough shape. And most of them were like seven to $10. And I was just like, when am I going to see these again? So I, I grabbed them, but I think the, they did the guy had a Lindsay rookie that had a little bit of a crease, but it was, I don't remember what I paid for it, but I just looked at it and I said, you know, I never see Ted Lindsay rookies unless they're like graded and like way, 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 way out of my range. So yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a significant set. I don't know if it's the most attractive set obviously but it's uh you know it's significant for for those reasons first hockey set in a long time a lot of hall of famers so what else that one sounds so that, like a really nice find
0: that was number five um number four was um sticking with the vintage realm uh george Vezina 1911 uh c55 imperial tobacco card nice um it was graded a, so that'd be his rookie. Um, it was graded PSA 5. Mm-hmm. Um, was sold by it now. $9,750. Wow. For a PSA 5. Um, strangely enough, which I, I thought was interesting about this one. So it's a George Vezina, right? And it was yep. sold by the user that sold it. was um, Their username was AJ Vezina. So I don't know if that was just coincidence or if that was set up that way or what. It was just kind of weird, I thought. It
1: was a relative so, or something. I don't, know.
0: I don't know. So 9750 was that one. So moving on to number three. We mm-hmm. go we come back more recent. So we had a uh 1516 upper deck young gun exclusive of Mr. Connor McDavid. Uh so the exclusives are numbered out of a hundred. Um This was a PSA 10 uh, sold by our good friends over at (laughs) Probstein123. This was an auction format, too, so there were actually 31 bids on this one. Mm -hmm. Uh, Final bid rounded out at $10,322 for that piece of cardboard slabbed in a nice plastic coffin. So... No words. Yeah. No words? Okay. No words. All right. No words. We can move on. Let's move on to number two. Um, number two is another more recent card. Uh, it was a 15 The Cup, since we were just talking about The Cup. Um, this was an exquisite RPA patch of Connor McDavid. So these were numbered, I believe, out of 97, because they were all numbered out of their jersey numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, well, this wouldn't that be a,
1: 87?
0: No, it was a McDavid.
1: Oh, McDavid, I'm sorry. I was yeah. the other one, Crosby, sorry. Yeah. My
0: bad. No, it was a McDavid. Um okay. but this was a PSA ten. Uh and the auto was also graded a ten, which I don't I don't understand how they grade the auto separate, but um yeah, this one was sold best offer uh by our, also our good friends at Probstein one, two, three. Um, this was listed originally for twenty, almost twenty four thousand dollars, and it sold for eleven grand. Wow, eleven thousand so dollars. Yeah, that's... that was that was interesting. But the big guy, the big guy that sold this week, uh, was an O five O six upper deck the Cup Ovechkin rookie, uh, and this was the patch auto. Uh, numbered out of ninety nine it had it was a nice patch it was three color um uh, had the auto on it this was a um beckett grade nine mm-hmm. was listed for twenty two five Venture to guess how much it sold for
1: uh, let's see twenty two five and they usually some wiggle room and it's Ovechkin, I don't know,
0: 17000 Very close. All right. It, it actually sold for 18750 Okay. So the the big dog of this week was an Ovechkin rookie for $18,750. That
1: is so, crazy.
0: Yeah. So... It's interesting to, to find some of this stuff. I look at this every week just to kind of see what's selling out there. And you get a lot of the vintage stuff, especially vintage that's graded. And you get a lot of the McDavid rookies and a lot of Crosby rookies and a lot of Gretzky rookies. They're usually the ones that pop up on there. Um, but uh, the the funny one this week, and I sent you over that that listing, yeah. is right, right now... And I, I encourage anybody listening to just do a search for this. It's 0506 the cup. And it's a Crosby Ovechkin rookie shield card. It's numbered 101. So if you're not familiar with the rookie shields, they basically take the NHL, just the NHL logo shield, and they plop it on the card. Um, this This listing is up right now, and they are asking... Since we're in the United States, let's uh, use U.S. dollars. They are asking three point eight million dollars for this card,
1: plus <laughs> Which, like seventy five dollars shipping.
0: Uh, something like that. So that's five million Canadian. Um, and I find I found this kind of comical. First of all, there's a picture of the front of the card. They don't. They didn't bother to scan the back because I mean, for five million dollars Canadian, pff, who has time for that? Um, so. But the funny part is, and I don't know if you went down and read the, the description on this one, but um, I'm just going to throw it out there. It says, this listing is for the 0506, the Cup, Crosby Ovechkin, one of one rookie shield. The number one hockey card of all time, according to their description. Mm-hmm. Upper Deck made history when they put these two future superstars shields on the same card. Feel free to ask any questions. And high-end trades are welcome. We'll consider trading for a small country, jet, or large island, super high-end cards, precious metals, large land in Ontario, multi-residential buildings, high-end muscle cars, and newer generation Stern and Jersey Jack pinball machines, etc. If you have high-end trade ideas, I'd like to hear them. And it continues with all the garble stuff about payment due and blah, blah, blah. And ends it with go Leafs.
1: (laughs) I love the way the guy is saying, I will trade this card for a, an Island, a jet rental properties, lots of (laughs) land in Ontario. Or pinball machines. Yeah,
0: or pinball machines. Yeah. I
1: mean, it's just yeah, it's it's, it's so we know what the low threshold is because I yeah. think I could probably get a couple of pinball machines for less than five million dollars and sure. and uh, may, maybe trade trade them for it. But uh,
0: yeah, that was that one was pretty funny and just one other one that I found not to beat a dead horse into the ground, but I found this one pretty interesting. There's an '85, '86 Opichi hockey vending case that's sealed mm, that mm. somebody's trying to unload. Um, they're asking price on it's
1: $149,000. How many so, cards?
0: Well, it's a sealed vending case. So you're looking at 8,650 cards in the box packed in those nice little brick boxes that some of you may remember seeing that are, you know, the tops ones were blue with kind of red and black lettering on them. Um, designed to be put in vending machines, right? Um, Historically, um, you know, people that know how vending cases worked, uh, historically vending cases mostly had better quality cards, um, than normal wax boxes. Um, you had much less specimens that were less you know they had less miscuts. They mm-hmm. they weren't as off center a lot of times. So if you're assuming an even distribution here, which there's not, but if you assumed there was, that would be 32 of each card from the set would be in that box. Mm-hmm. So that means you have a shot at 32 Randy Hillier rookies or 32 Brian Hayward rookies. Could you imagine that? 32 six. Yeah, 32.
1: or 86, 87.
0: No, eighty-five, eighty six.
1: Well, that's Mario's year.
0: He, he, oh, oh yeah, I forgot about that guy.
1: Yeah, was, that guy.
0: He, he was pretty good too, wasn't he?
1: He did all right for all himself. Right.
0: Well, as a representative example of that, I know I'm being facetious here, but PSA nines of that of that Lemieux rookie traditionally sell for about anywhere from nine hundred to a thousand bucks. Almost all the time. So if you do the math you're going to get 32 of those. You're talking about turning twenty eight, twenty eight to $32,000. So I asked the question, where's the other 117,000 coming from in value that you're supposed to be pulling out of this vending case? If you're only going to get a maximum of 32 Lemus and let's just assume that you can get most of them at a grade nine, right? I don't know.
1: Yeah plus you know the other thing is if you um you get 32 Mario Lemieux cards don't cards. forget
0: you get 32 Doug Litster rookies too so oh
1: yeah Litster. and uh you know you're forgetting you're forgetting the number 3 pick of the draft that year
0: the number 3 pick
1: yeah the voice of hockey in america
0: oh okay he was former was former
1: blackhawk and penguin he a, yeah is Eddie the yeah. Old check, I once had okay. to trade I once had to trade a uh, an entire pack of 89 Tops baseball for an Ed Olchek rookie card. Like I had a friend who had that card. It was a Tops version, not the OPHC version. Um, and I traded him an entire pack of um 89 Tops baseball for that one card. And it right. was worth it to me at the time because, you know, it's like 50 cents or an 89 pack of 89 tops baseball. Um, but I remember, uh, but, uh, but here, going back to my other point. So here's, a, here's one problem with that argument. and not an argument that you're making, but you get 32 Mario Lemieux Opeechee rookie cards. They all grade at, say, PSA 9. What does that do to the value of PSA 9 Mario Lemieux rookie cards?
0: well again like i said they've they've been selling it would bring them down because there'd be more out there the population would be
1: less right so now it's higher
0: yeah so you're nine 900 to a thousand maybe a little bit less than that now if you got some of those at a grade 10 hey good on you then go for it because you're gonna pull a heck of a lot more than that
1: But, but but i've heard rumors that psa Will downgrade a card because you're trying to control the population of, of those PSA nines, those PSA tens. I mean, I've had dealers, card dealers, tell me they've pulled cards from packs, put them straight in the like the holders, sent them to the PSA, and they come back at an eight. And they say, how can this come back as an eight or a seven, seven five, whatever? I don't even know what a mint is. Is mint seven? or is it near mint mm-hmm. something yeah, like that right so it's they're 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 population control they're saying oh that that's not a PSA 9 you know sorry there's only five of this PSA 9 and we're gonna you know we're gonna talk about it in in our magazine and online and in our little email e-blasts and whatnot and you know yeah they'd get mad if you sent them 32 Mario Lemieux rookie cards that were mint and well-centered they would They'd say, yeah, those aren't all nines.
0: Well, it's another in a long line of reasons why I'm not integrated cards.
1: Yeah, me neither. So let's uh, let's talk about uh, Mr. P.K. Subban and his YouTube channel. Um, So I I'm going to admit I did not watch the video. You were like, oh, check out the P.K. Subban YouTube channel. And I'm thinking, all right, I know it's been out for a little while now. So I'm thinking it's probably got to have five or six videos up on it. As of right now, it only had one video, and it was 10 minutes. And I was saying to myself, "Ah, I'll finish watching this later. And then later never came. So I'm asking, though, PK, dude, seriously, a video cannot be 10 minutes in, in the age of, well, there was Vine, and now there's um, TikTok which is like 15 second videos, but now they're longer. People don't have the attention span for a 10 minute video. I mean, they do, but I didn't know if I wanted to watch that for 10 minutes. I was afraid that air horn was going to go off every 30 seconds, you know, and here's my dog. (laughs) (laughs) I punched out. Oh yeah. That's uh, right. I forgot.
0: I forgot he did that a bunch of times. (laughs)
1: Yeah, like the like the progressive insurance box, you know, yeah. with a little air right. So what, what happened? Talk to us about this video.
0: Okay, so here's the thing. So you got uh you got PK who he's a larger than life character. Everybody knows that. Some people love him, some people hate him, but the fact is he's a personality in a sport where most players lack that, or at least don't express it. Right. Um, but so he's this larger in life kind of person and everything else. So he launches this YouTube channel on Wednesday. Okay. So it's this past week. It's fairly fresh. I think yep. he's the only NHLer that I know of that have their own channel. So, He's a brand like he's he's a yes, he's a person, he's a player, but he's a brand. Okay, and he's trying to promote his brand. Fine. I get that. I have no problem with that. So he posts a video and basically what it was is the first video is kind of him going over what he's going to do in all of his videos. And it's going to be, you know, follow him around. The day of practice and at practice and on game day and what he does and his rituals of getting ready and maybe, you know, what he eats or the different stuff. So if you're into that kind of thing, great. But those that are New Jersey Devil fans or those that are hockey fans and are aware of what's gone on, this was pushed on everyone on Wednesday. And if you follow hockey, you would know that on Wednesday, the devils still had yet to win a game um at all for the season. Mm-hmm. um their record at the time, I think they went winless in six games. I mean they were like or maybe it was less than that at that point. I think they were o two and one or something or o three and one um now granted, they won on Thursday. And I think they won yesterday too. Um, But they've been having problems. They've been in the news. In fact, their assistant GM was moved down to become a bench coach because there were issues. Now I'm not saying that he was part of the problem or he has anything to do with what's been going on. I'm not saying that at all, but
1: You're talking about PK or about, uh, Tom Fitch.
0: Okay. Yeah. I'm not saying PK is part of the problem or whatever's going on with the team, but Mm -hmm. that's, that's hell of a timing to try to push that on everybody when Mm -hmm. your team isn't doing so hot at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it kind of brought the question to mind to me is at what point do you separate your personal from your professional? I mean, especially when you're playing for a team that's, I don't want to say in dire straits because it's the beginning of the season, but
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I mean, it's a, it's basically a New York market. They're playing in New Jersey. If you don't win right away, the sky is falling. And so you're going to be attacked in the media. So you have to pick your spot, you know? So how does that look as a teammate in the locker room that you're throwing this out there and, you know, here, here's me looking at you going, What is your focus? And and you're dropping this YouTube channel and all of this kind of stuff. Now, I could see, you know, you're a healthy scratch. You know, you're on the shelf. You're up in the booth wearing a suit rather than being down on the ice. Tweet away. Do whatever you want. You know, Instagram, social it up. But come on. Seriously. Shelve that until you can turn the season around and take the focus away from something like that. I have no problem with him doing it. It's just the timing was really, really bad. And whether he's responsible, he may not even be responsible for his own social media. I don't know. He probably, maybe has a team or something, but he's in the videos. So, you know, you have to take, you have to take ownership of that.
1: Clearly he did not edit that video himself. I'm sure he didn't edit it. Just, just, just from... The fact that I know how long it takes to edit a video and, and all the like cutting and, and effects that I saw just like the first couple of minutes that I watched. I mean, you know, the first thing I thought when I was watching this is it was like, I'm PK Suban and welcome to my YouTube channel. And then I'm like watching this to go. Yeah, it must be nice to have a, you know, a, a videographer and a sound guy and an editing guy and all, you know, like people who could just do all that stuff for you. I mean, and, and I don't have a problem with it. Um. I mean, look, if the Devils were 5-0, and then we wouldn't be complaining about the timing. If PKA had, you know, a goal and five assists at this point, we wouldn't be complaining about the timing. It's just that he, their team is not really doing well. They're having trouble early on. They're surprising everybody because everybody thought that they were going to do very well. Um, yeah, look at their and, preseason. And so, yeah, it seems kind of... I don't want to say pretentious but maybe a little um I I don't know. I don't want to say egotistical, I don't want to say pretentious. I like I've liked I like PK Suban before everybody else like PK Suban. Well, not everybody else, but I liked him since I got his 10-11 score rookie card and I was like became aware of him and kind of noticed, you know, what he was doing in in the minor leagues with the at the time the AHL Hamilton Bulldogs. And I'm just like, okay, this guy's cool. And then he Montreal. And then just like, you know, just how he just, yeah, he's this great personality. He's just a really cool dude. I mean, I know people who've met him, um, talked to him, worked with him for like, you know, different uh, non hockey things like commercials and stuff. And they've just said like, he is just, he is just genuine. He is just as cool as you think he is. Um, he's as nice as you'd hope he would be. Um, so yeah, I don't mind. I was I'm I'm kinda wishing the videos would be shorter and punchier and funnier. I don't know if I really want to see what he does like to prepare for a game or whatnot, because I feel like the NHL has beaten that to death with all the documentaries that they've done since the very first road to the winter classic. To a
0: hockey fan, maybe. But I don't think this isn't just for hockey fans. I think a lot of people are going to latch onto this as more of a, hey, here's something on social media that I can watch that is cool, and here's a personality that's, you know, larger than life, rather than, oh, look, it's an athlete doing athlete things.
1: Oh, I, no, I love it. I know, know what, what I it? mean? And because didn't you used to collect uh, football cards of Gronk? Me? You. No. Oh, no, not you. Absolutely okay, thought... not. I'm sorry I wouldn't be I...
0: caught dead in owning anything with the Patriots logo on it.
1: <laughs> yeah. But Gronk, uh, Gronk did that PSA telling us that eating Tide pods is bad and that you should never do it.
0: Don't care. I honestly <laughs> don't care. <laughs> Next.
1: Okay. Well, uh, then, uh, so, uh, today we're going to, no, um...
0: seriously, I'm not, I'm not ripping on him coming out with this. I'm just questioning the timing. I mean, it's your brand. Take ownership of your brand. It's not about you right now. It's about the team. Be quiet. Do this later. That's well, that's when? all I'm saying.
1: When? When is later?
0: Later. Just later when the heat's off.
1: Their first win? Their fifth win? When they're 500? All-star break?
0: Some, I don't know.
1: Personal success or team success?
0: American Thanksgiving. That's the cutoff. Then do whatever you want.
1: Okay. I like that actually, yeah. Because then the whole newness of the season is kind of like hockey, kind of like that. That the, the the shine has come off the apple, so to speak. We're not talking about the new season now. We're we're just into the season, right? Exactly. Oh man, American Thanksgiving that has me thinking about that Friday when they do that Friday early more early, early, early afternoon game.
0: Oh, oh yeah,
1: yeah. If I could just stay home and watch hockey straight. Just Stay home, eat leftovers, you know, have like an 11 a.m. Flyers Rangers game and then like a 2 p.m. Like, I don't know, whoever game, maybe a Kings game because it'll be noon over there by then. And then, yeah, that's just I I love that. I love I love that. I love watching hockey that time of the year because I I don't have as many responsibilities because I'm done teaching for the we're on quarters where I teach. So it's just uh Yeah, American Thanksgiving. Yeah, and we can watch all the YouTube we want. There you go. So um, our big topic that we're going to talk about today. Next week, we'll get back into talking about the sets from this season. But for this week, we wanted to talk about a retro set. And I know we had done the podcast for a number of years, and I cannot for the life of me remember if we talked about this set. I don't think we did, but if we did, so what, we'll talk about it again. Um, the eighty-one, eighty-two Tops hockey set, or as I like to call it, the set with the split personality, because you had some cards that were sold in the eastern region of the United States. You had some cards that were sold in the western region of the United States. So obviously, long-time hockey card collectors, you already know this stuff, because you know this stuff. You've collected this stuff. But for those of you who are like, you know, Buy, buy the new cards, but don't necessarily dig on the old cards. So 81-82 tops. So what had happened was hockey was not working out for tops by the early 80s. And a big reason for that was that the NHL stopped broadcasting their games nationally by nineteen eighty. You still had your regional broadcasts, so if you were in Pittsburgh, you could watch a Penguins game somewhere. Um, if you were on or in New York, you could watch the Rangers games. Um, Actually, I
0: don't think the Pens were on TV at that point. I think you could only get them on the radio.
1: Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I think so. Well, I mean, but going back to like the seventies, you had, um, you had, uh, you had uh, like a, a game of the week that was either on CBS or ABC. I mean, it would change. Every couple of years, because even like I'd see like my hockey cards, you know, from the 70s would say, like, watch NHL games on CBS or something like that. And and actually another fun fact, the whole reason why the NHL expanded to L.A. and Oakland was because in order to get a TV deal, the TV station was like well we want you to have more of a presence than just the six cities that you're in because what do people on the west coast care about a red wings bruins game right so they started adding these big markets like pittsburgh and philadelphia and then they were like well los angeles is a big market we should put a team there and uh the uh uh the seals were um a team in the old Western hockey league and they were, uh, popular. And so the NHL kind of wooed them away and said, Hey, come, come play with us. And, uh, they did, but then they forced him to be in Oakland when, uh, they had a, a mad following in, um, uh, San Francisco. So, um, they, uh, yeah, that, that was kind of a mess, but the whole thing was, was, was about getting the TV stations, to want to cover to, to do national broadcasts in the United States. And so by 1980 that all went away. You still had, you know, you might have local stations show local games, but you didn't have an NHL game of the week. And if you were in New York, you couldn't necessarily watch a Kings game unless they were playing the Rangers or the Islanders or whatever. So, uh hockey was starting, you know, that was that was having an effect and so hockey cards were not selling as well because tops kept reducing the number of cards in 8081 they tried this gimmick where they put a little scratch off circle over the player's name we'll, we'll save that for another podcast cuz I, I absolutely hate that set and I, I i'll need an hour to just to just Who spout, doesn't? My, to spout my rage about that set but 8182 what they did for 8182 was they did regional distribution so cards 1 through 166 were sold everywhere cards 67 through 132 depending on what city you were were in those cards varied so if you were in pittsburgh for instance then cards 67 through 132 would have whalers penguins flyers sabers islanders rangers etc and if you were uh in one of the western conference cities like chicago or uh you know, Minneapolis or Los Angeles, then card 67 through 132 would have like Blackhawks, Blues, more Red Wings, um, Colorado Rockies, Los Angeles Kings, etc. So cards one through 66 were Canadian teams, leader teams, and like one or two token stars from all of the American teams. And then 67 through 132, that's where it lumped up and did more um, regional. Because I remember in 1989, old man story. In 1989, getting my graduation money from eighth grade and spending it all on hockey cards. And a friend gave me a mail, mail order catalog. Forgot what it was called. It was mostly baseball cards, but they had a few pages of hockey cards. And they were selling a complete set of 81-82 Topps hockey And I bought that set and I got it and I'm going through it. It's the Tony Esposito card, which I already had because I previously bought just a lot. It was like a stack of 50 cards for like a couple of bucks that I bought from a uh, card dealer um, in like 89. But then later that year, I'm like, I like the set. I want to get the whole set. So, all right, there's a Tony Esposito card. Oh, there's the Blackhawks team leaders card with Tom Lysiak. And I'm going through it. I'm like, yeah, lots of Islanders. Of penguins, lots of rangers, lots of whalers, checklist. And then I'm like, Where are the Blackhawks? Where are the Red Wings? Where are the Blue? Right? And I didn't know what was going on. Like, it was like, Wow, this is the lamest set ever. Now, I'm 14 and I didn't have like an annual price guide. So I went to the card store because, you know, I was still like learning. About like, this was at the point where I was like, really like collecting and not just buying packs and saying, yeah, I got these cards and putting them aside. It was actually starting to be like an actual collector and buying a price guide. And it's saying how card 66 through 132, there was an East version. There was a West version. And I was so pissed off because I was like, well, what the hell? Like, so I felt like I didn't get a complete set. I got two thirds of a set. You know, of course, Gretzky's in that set. Yari Curry is in that set, his rookie card. So Gretzky's third year card. Yari Curry's rookie card. Peter Stastny's rookie card. But then as far as like the East, 67 through 132, the East, you know who the most notable rookie card in that in that, uh, that sequence is?
0: On the Eastern set? Yeah. I'll give uh, you a hint. He's a Bruin. A Bruin?
1: Not Ray Bork.
0: Um, uh, um, I don't know. I can't think of who it would be.
1: Steve Casper. Oh,
0: Casper. Yeah, okay.
1: Steve Cat. Exact- obviously, right? Yeah. <laughs> of course. Oh, right, yeah. oh, yeah. He was on right. the tip of my tongue. Right. So the notable rookie cards in the Western set Dennis Stavart, Daryl Sutter, Dino Cicerelli Don Beaupre and Larry Murphy. Now, some of those guys are in the Hall of Fame, and some of them are not, but there's, you know, Don Beaupre was, was a fan favorite, or, you know, and Dean Cicerelli, and, uh, and he's in the Hall, and then um, Larry Murphy, of course, and then I know Daryl Sutter's not a hall, hall of Famer, but in a long time, you know, probably more successful as a coach than as a player. Um, yeah, but, but
0: Curry, Stastny, Savard, Murphy, Cicerelli, they're all in the Hall.
1: Yeah. But I mean the Curry and Stastny, so those are in the, the they call it the national cards. One through sixty six are the national uh cards. And then yeah, the West uh the Western set, Savard, Sutter, Cicerelli, Beaupre, Murphy. Um what's funny though is that so in total, the top set had 198 cards. If you count the East cards and the West cards. And actually, there's a really easy way. If you flip over the card, you look at the back and you look under the card number. Cards 67 through 132 will either say East or West underneath the card number. And I didn't realize that at the time when I was a kid. So I'd be going through like quarter boxes and dime boxes, trying to find the ones that I needed. And I'd be like, oh, were the Red Wings in the is this an east or a west card do i have this card do i not have this card because i didn't know about that little you know the little text under that um but the opg set by comparison had 396 cards so it was double the size Care to guess who they missed the boat on for uh, rookie cards
0: for opg or no yeah. Yeah. Or for the top set?
1: For the top set. Who who was included in the peachy set that was not in the top set?
0: Oh, well, the big one was Paul Coffey.
1: Yep, right? Paul Coffey.
0: Paul Coffey. Um, wasn't uh, Andy Moog in there, too?
1: Moog, yeah. Hey, good memory.
0: Um, Two more Oilers. Glenn Anderson.
1: Yep, yeah, that's three. One more Oiler.
0: Uh, we already said Yari Curry, right? Yeah. Um,
1: take the high road and i'll take the
0: oh kevin lowe yeah kevin lowe yeah. was in there
1: mm-hmm. and then also i mean a couple dale of hunter
0: f- was in there too right
1: yeah I, hey man see you remember a couple of fan favorites i was gonna say dale hunter tim kerr murray bannerman reggie lemelin
0: uh tim kerr yeah how could i forget the old flyer great
1: yeah exactly he was a big dude um so the the top set i mean obviously, just. By not having Paul Coffey, Andy Muehl, Anderson, Kevin Lowe—I mean, the, the, some pretty damn good cards to not have—but their focus was on the American cards. So there's only like a handful of Oilers, a handful of Canadians, a handful of Maple Leafs, a handful of Canucks, etc. Well, it's
0: almost like if it didn't—if it didn't drop in the in the national one through sixty-six then chances are if they were a Canadian player if they were SOL being yeah. in that set.
1: Well the only the only one I could think of off the top of my head is uh Don Luce was um his card was uh oh, Luce, yeah make him look like Maple uh, Leaf, Toronto right? Maple Leaf. Yeah and you know what's funny is that, because i 'cause I'm gonna just pull up that card right now because it's actually in the um it's actually in the West sets. Because, yeah, he finished out 80-81, he split with the Sabres and then the Kings. So I don't know if they airbrushed his Kings uniform or his Sabres uniform because they put him in a Maple Leafs uniform, and it's really terrible. He has this look on his face where he's almost, like, I don't think a trading card could be self-aware, but I think this one could because he looks like he's just disappointed In what they did to his card. Yeah, he's
0: disappointed because they forgot to airbrush the numbers in, didn't they?
1: Oh, yeah. And you know what? Actually, I'm looking at the gloves, and it looks like the gloves are blue and yellow. So I'm going to assume that they're not King's gloves, that they're Saber's gloves. Because it looks more like blue than purple. But, you know, sometimes it's hard to tell on those old cards. You know, so, yeah. So, um, clearly they just, um... I mean, heck, they could have almost just used a Sabers uniform, but uh, just swap the Leaf or the Sabre for a Leaf logo. But um, yeah, so I mean, there were uh, just like a handful where they were airbrushed out. And you know what's funny is that Don Luce card was like the very last card I needed to complete my 81-82 West set so that I'd have them all. I mean, it's just ridiculous that like it just it just evaded me for for a while, I don't know how long. I want to say, I want to say it finally probably got it some sometime around ninety two.
0: Oh, that's yeah. uh. I mean, considering you were only you only got the set in eighty nine, that wasn't that long.
1: Well, it was 30 years ago. That's <laughs> oh, oh, from uh, eighty nine to ninety two. Yeah, yeah, A couple of years, right? Yeah, yeah. And this is back in the, like the mail order catalog type days, you know. Right. So. You know, I think I probably, like, wrote a letter. You know, they'd always say, like, you know, send an SASE for, for a list or, you know, send your want list to this address. I remember, like, you know, emailing or not emailing, mail mailing, snail mailing, um, and trying to find that card. Or, I don't know, maybe my aunt found it. I don't remember. It just, it took a long time for me to get that card. I actually, like, uh, drew, like, what I thought the card would look like on like an index card and just kind of stuck it in the pocket um <laughs> i just thought i just thought it'd be a close-up I, I don't know and i thought he'd be with the kings for some reason so I, I i don't know It was just just me not wanting to have an empty pocket in in, in the pages uh always so the what,
0: completest
1: yeah i know so what what are your thoughts on this set i know i've talked uh a disproportionate amount about this set, because I, I have a lot to, to say about it, but what what are your thoughts? Well,
0: I've, you know, as a collector, and I've, I've more recently gone back to try to put together older sets, like 70s and 80s sets that I had once collected and have disappeared, so this is one of the ones that was on my radar, and, you know, the East is very easy to find yes this is one thing that i will add to this conversation is you will find more often than not i would say even if you found 10 versions of this set nine of them would be the east um because they were much much more prevalent i think and i don't know i don't know i don't what I don't know. Was was there a print run difference between the east and west version? Is there any record of that being I, a different?
1: I don't know. I okay. So I've heard rumors that the east is easier to find. Uh, that the west. is I don't is harder think it's a find. rumor.
0: I think it's true.
1: No, I, but the thing is, is I I haven't seen anything to back that up. And you know, you were talking about the um the vending cases, and yeah. I, I would love to just open one of those and look through it and sort it. And I remember somebody had like an eighty-one, eighty-two. Vending case, you know, it's like eight hundred cards or a thousand cards. It was just a box, right. it, and um, I it was East, and I'm like, ah, oh, well, you know, I'm not gonna overspend on something if I don't have a chance of getting a Dennis Savard rookie card in this. Then, you know, what's the point? I mean, I, I mean, I know Steve Casper had an admirable career, but you know, he's not Dennis Savard or you know right. Cicerelli or Dale Murphy or sorry Larry Murphy. <laughs> um, So or or even Dale Murphy, for that matter. So, um, yeah, you're absolutely right on that. Yeah. And
0: and I see the East way more often. So when I was putting, you know, when this was on my radar, I was easily able to find the national Park one through 66 plus plus the East cards. Um, I have yet to finish the West and I don't know that I even updated my list lately. I did find a bunch at one point and I picked them up. I knew they were West cards because I could just tell that they weren't familiar. And I pulled them out of a box. I don't think it was at the national. I think it was at a, a regional show around here where okay. I live. And I didn't realize it. Like, I just saw the cards. And I was like, oh, these are a quarter. Okay, cool. And I pulled a bunch of them out and took them home. And not realizing the back, they were extremely miscut. On the back, oh. the fronts the fronts looked perfect, but the backs looked like somebody peeled off the back and stuck a half of three other cards on it.
1: Oh, that sucks!
0: So, yeah, so that's the first that's the first appearance of some West cards that I've seen in in quite a long time. But I mean, so each set has one hundred thirty two cards, right? Yes. but you share the first sixty six. So you have 198 total. Would that not mean that the the first 66 are double printed?
1: That is correct.
0: Okay. So So what I'm
1: thinking what happened was is they probably did an A sheet that had 1 through 66 and then 67 through 132 east. And then a B sheet that had 1 through 66 again and then 67 through 132 west because tops would double print stuff. That was a common thing i mean that's why like the mario lemieux and 88 89 tops is so easy to find cuz it was double printed
0: right 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 um was this not also the first year that tops put the logo on the cards
1: you know i'm glad you brought that up yeah actually that is the first year actually there were two firsts uh for this set there're probably a couple others that maybe i'm forgetting but the first is that This is the first year they dropped that little cartoon on the back.
0: Oh, the little, like. The little, little
1: drawing.
0: Yeah. It still has, it still has like a little, little quip about the guy, but yeah, the drawing's gone.
1: The drawing's gone. So they, they, they dropped the drawing in 81, 82. And then the other thing is, is that they put the tops logo on the front. And so what's funny with the OPG set is because OPT would just take the top set and just, you know, add another 132 cards or whatever, or 198 cards or whatever. And they would, you know, do the French text on the back and, right. you know, maybe change the logo if the player got traded. But um, OPT had to put, they couldn't have tops on the front of the card. So they put OPT, but it just, It's just, like, literally just, like, they just picked the first font that they could find. Let me take a look at that. Yeah, just, like, it's, like, an italicized sans-serif font that doesn't even fit where the Tops logo goes. Like, it doesn't fit that space. It just looks weird. Um, Because this was before Opeechee had that, like, that branding, that um, particular type of font they had the OPC logo that had, like, the big O and then PG inside of it, and maybe the little kids around yeah, yeah. it. They yeah. had that logo that you'd see on hockey cards. Um, but they didn't have, like, a front-of-the-card logo. Like, you think of, like, 86, 87, 87, 88, where they had that, like, oval with OPC inside of it. you recall? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. And the way they wrote, like, O and then P and then Chi and, like, you know, just that, that like all lowercase except for the big o um yeah with the hyphens so like yeah this they just kind of just put opg there because they didn't you know they're like oh crap we can't put tops there we gotta put i guess i guess we just got you know like they spent like two minutes putting, so why do you think
0: they would do this i mean you what? think so i mean opg and tops share the front and back design almost every single year. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like a regular traditional thing that they've done and they just parallel each other and share the same design. They change the logo, but why would they, why do you think this year tops went all crazy nutty and decided to do some regional release? And OP, she's like, yeah, nope, we're out. We're just going to do our regular cards like we normally do. Why do you think they would do that different?
1: You mean the design? I, I'm sorry, I don't follow. So you're well, talking about the
0: designs about... the same, the designs the same, just like normal. Yeah, everything's the same. They just changed the tops logo to a peachy, like they do on everything.
1: Yep. but
0: why do you think they didn't follow the same distribution that tops did?
1: They wouldn't need to because hockey cards were huge in Canada. That was the run, uh, 74, say 74 75 to 84 85 maybe 7374, I'm trying to remember. but there was like a 10-year span, 10 or 11 year span where OPG was 196 cards. I mean, it was just super popular. So they would do these big sets of, uh, you know, almost 400 cards because the demand was there because people wanted the cards. So they'd have no reason to. I mean, if you were listen, if you were in another province you probably still wanted the Oilers cards because they were damn good players. Right. Yeah. So you, you'd want those. And I think that like a lot of times, like, uh, you know, as um, a fellow blogger that we both know, Dave Harrison, he's a huge New Jersey Devils fan. Uh, And I asked him about that and he's told me, he's just like, well, you know, my province doesn't have a hockey team, doesn't have an NHL team. So it's like, you know if you live close to like an NHL city like if you're close enough to say like Boston or Detroit or something you might adopt that as like your favorite team he goes but if not then you just have to have your own reasons for liking an NHL team and he picked the devils um just because he liked the way the logo looked when he was 7 so if you're in Canada you are probably you can Obviously, you could be a fan of whatever team you want, but there's a little more leeway. It's not just regional like, oh, well, I live in Pittsburgh, so I'm a Penguins fan or I live in Chicago. I'm a Blackhawks fan. It's like, no, I live in Saskatchewan and we don't have an NHL team. So I'm going to be a Florida Panthers fan because why not?
0: Yeah, so they don't need the help of regional distribution. From that standpoint, it's just, it's just interesting that they follow along the same path as Tops, other than the fact that they have more cards, generally. But then Tops decides to go off the rails and do something weird, and Opeechee's like, nope, we're not doing that. And we see the writing on the wall, and the next year, Tops is no longer making hockey
1: cards. They did do hockey stickers. Uh, I,
0: and... I said cards.
1: Yes, I know. I know. <laughs> and I know the Tops now, stickers are not tops now cards but yeah so um that's true they didn't um yeah they they were
0: they were out of making hockey cards because like we when we started talking about this you know they were having a hard time with that market and this was kind of like their swan song for a minute like Mm -hmm. let's do this this is the last ditch effort to salvage this as a branch of our business and nope it's not working out so we're well you know going they,
1: they did goofy stuff also with their uh, basketball cards because if you remember like the magic johnson um larry bird um rookie year was at eighty eighty one. they had those like tearaway cards those cards yes that you
0: the perforated wore. ones
1: yeah. yeah i mean that's just yeah so
0: the panel cards
1: the basketball was not you know obviously not a um What's it called? A a big seller either, because that went away for a while. You know, these 8182 tops cards always reminded me a little bit of the uh, Empire Strikes Back cards from 1980, if only because there's this like thick red border that goes around the picture. It's like a red red and white border, like white, then red, then white. And so, you know, it's only curved on like two corners, not four. But um, and obviously, like with the Empire Strikes Back, they, you know, they had a more uniform look from card to card. They didn't like change the, um, uh, the co- well, they changed the colors for like series two and series three and stuff. But um, yeah, they just it just kind of reminded me of that a little bit, which is funny because uh, 1980 Empire Strikes Back was like the first cards that I remember getting just like like. As a kid, I remember my mom buying the cards, she would chew the gum, she'd give me these cards and the stickers, and I would just be so excited because, you know, the only way to see Star Wars or Empire Strikes Back was go see it in the movie theater. Or maybe you had the Marvel Comics, or maybe you had um, the, the storybook, but to have, like, images from the movie that you could look at over and over, you know, of your favorite characters and, and, and scenes was like a big deal and i just remember that like um you know those just stood out to me like as the first cards the first time i was aware of cards
0: star wars is hot it's a hot commodity
1: always yeah
0: it always will be
1: yeah well it was kind of dead for a while i remember like say 1985 86 we'll say to like 95 was like so like there's like a 10 year period where Star Wars was just kind of dead because there were no new movies coming out, there were no new toys on the shelves, um, there wasn't really any new fiction coming out. Let me actually walk that back a little bit because I know this isn't a non sports show, but you know, I love me the Star Wars, and actually that was my big distraction that got me away from collecting hockey cards for many years in the late nineties was Star Wars. Um the uh um there were the some Star Wars comic books that came out in 91, 92 by Dark Horse called Dark Empire, which I remember buying those. And that actually got me back into buying comic books because I, I used to collect comic books in the 80s. And then um, then there was also the uh, the Timothy Zahn novels uh, that came out around the same time that uh, introduced Grand, Grand Admiral Thrawn before, you know, he appeared in star wars rebels and so uh you know but that was kind of when it was kind of coming back but it was still kind of underground you know like oh a star wars novel and there was enough of a demand for it but it was by 95 when george lucas was like i'm gonna make some sequels and i'm gonna digitally remaster and edit the the original movies and here are some Star Wars toys and then it just kind of came back. You know, it was that the twenty almost twenty years where it just kind of came back into vogue. So yeah, it seems like most pop culture stuff, there's that like that like 10 year window where like people just stop caring about it.
0: Yeah. I could yeah, I could I I guess I could see that. I didn't care about Star Wars then either, I don't think.
1: Yeah, no, I mean you just get onto other you get onto other things. It's like the 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 target the, the people who were into it, like they moved on to something else. And the people who were too young for it just didn't care because it wasn't for them. But then like when it came, you know, like for instance, like, you know, it's funny is I got a brother who's 14 years younger than me. So I bought him Star Wars episode one as a Christmas or birthday present. And I also bought him like the original trilogy. And I was trying to get him into the Star Wars movies and he was into it. But, you know, he was probably 10 when Episode One came out, so he liked Episode One. He liked Anakin. He liked Anakin Skywalker, the Pod Racer. You know. Ah, like, uh,
0: so he's the one.
1: Yeah that that <laughs> was the what the one fan the, no the
0: one was, person that liked that.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that was that was the target demographic though. Is that Lucas was trying to make a movie for the ten year old, which yeah, is why yeah. the twenty four year old didn't like it. Because <laughs> uh, yeah. it was it was for kids. You know, it was a little too childlike you know whereas like um you know maybe empire was definitely more adult because it's just so depressing and awesome at the same time
0: anything that was good about episode one was Darth Maul
1: yeah and they cut him in half
0: Darth Maul was pretty badass
1: and I, I I think we've pretty much lost all of our listeners but hey you know if uh <laughs> if you like the uh, impromptu star wars discussion please uh like and subscribe and leave a comment or uh buy a t-shirt from shop.puckjunk.com to uh help support this site and support this podcast uh tim anything else you want to say before um before we go uh
0: nope nothing
1: nope nope the last thing i'll say though See you is next week the, uh, the tops hockey set, not very expensive, eighty-one, eighty-two. Uh, I saw them range anywhere from thirteen dollars to fifty dollars on eBay, which is a lot of wiggle room. So if you look around, you can find the whole hundred and ninety-eight card set for, you know, about the price of a blaster box. Nice. All right, well that's it. Thank you for listening to the Puck Junk podcast, and uh, we hope you will join us again next week. For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at PuckJunk.